The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, how to become free from shaming ourselves and others. And this will be a mini workshop. Most of us have been taught through the liberal use of shame. Bad girl, bad boy, I know I was. This conditions us to use shame to try to discipline others and or to stop people from hurting us. Does shame work to help us change or to support others to do the same? Learn more about shame and how to overcome it in today's show. Join us in some experiential processes to help us overcome shame and embrace new ways of being. Internationally known spiritual counselor and teacher Beth Green will lead the processes along with her alter ego, the guru. So be sure to call in or email Beth with your thoughts or questions. And now here is your host, Beth Green, from the inside out. Welcome, everyone. It's, it's good to be with you today. This is a very painful topic, and I hope that you're not shying away, but that you're going to be with us today. First, I'd like to share a little bit about the response to our show last week. Remember, that was about the fear of fat. We were not talking about trans fat. We're talking about body fat and all the issues that we have around food. And, of course, we could just only scratch the surface in an hour. Uh, but we got a wonderful email from one of our listeners, Mary, uh, in Kansas City. And she wrote an email to me and to Helen, who was our guest on the show. And she said, just got to listen to the episode on fat. As I listened to the two of you speak, I realized finally what a terrible burden my husband Ed has carried all his life. Not only was he Big Ed in grade school and junior high, but his father was always forcing him to overeat so that he would be big or at least big enough to fulfill his father's dreams of being a better athlete. He has always spoken disparagingly of his body, which I find attractive. Yet, and doesn't this sound like all of us, he is still unwilling to give up the empty calories and beer and corn chips and licorice. Oh, well, what can I say, Mary? That is us. And by the way, I'm just putting in excerpts because it's a long letter, but I'd like to go on. She says, I, on the other hand, was a fat baby. I weighed 10 pounds at birth and a normal chubby toddler and child until I survived a long bus ride during a blizzard and caught bronchial pneumonia. After that, I was always thin. I have endured a lot of shame over the years, mostly from men, to the tune of, what's the matter? Can't your mother cook? So you see there's shame in being fat, there can be shame in being thin, and it it leads so perfectly into our show today about shame, shame, shame. Anyway, going back to her, she said um, uh, to uh, other things that they would say, like, come back when you've got some meat on your bones and boobs. Not many of my girlfriends want to eat lunch with me. Uh, wanted to eat lunch with me. Although my Jewish girlfriends, God bless them all, just eat and complain. It's not fair that you are thin, but in a funny, hilarious way. True, it isn't fair, and no one asked me if I wanted this. I'd much rather be voluptuous. 
And now this is the part, guys, that I really identify with because I am this. Going on with Mary's note, there are problems associated even with just being naturally thin. And we're not talking about anorexia and all the health issues that come with that, including death at times. Especially, and she's going on with the uh, the issues, estrogen, osteoporosis risk, fatigue, brain fog, inability to stay warm or cool, I could go on. <laughs> yes, me too. So I have little sympathy for the Madison Avenue crowd that keeps pushing gaunt. Of course, clothing looks better on us thin people because the clothing is noticed more than the real human inside the clothing. And I love this comment. I think you will too. Marilyn Monroe was beautiful, but she made the dress, not the other way around. So thank you, Mary, for uh, your note. And just another take on the painful topic that we talked about last time about our fear of fat and the hilarious way that we dealt with it because we were so... We had such a ball. If you did not listen to that show, it's not too late. You can always check it on podcast, and you will hear us sharing all kinds of things about compulsive eating or eating for comfort and our feelings about being fat, including a process that we did together on just getting used to the using the word fat whether, rather than all the euphemisms that go along with that. So shame, 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 right? And, of course, that's a perfect segue to our show today. Well, shame is a topic that we could work on for months and we'd barely scratch the surface because shame is so important in our society. We did, many of us, get taught through shame. Sometimes it was subtle and sometimes it wasn't. Like when we were kids, when somebody said to us, uh, we took a Johnny's toy and we said, uh, and a mom or dad said, shame on you. You, know, you shouldn't do that. Or they didn't use the word shame, but their tone was shaming. And of course they did it because they were desperate. They didn't know what else to do. How do you stop a kid from behaving in a way that's embarrassing to the parents? Like screaming in public or looking like you're not well-behaved, um, making us look bad, or other things that we might do that are, you know, terrible for, to other people, like kids hurt each other, siblings hurt each other, and how do you not shame the kid who's doing the hurting? So, it's, you know, this is the way we grew up, and we really don't realize just how ingrained in us shaming is. And so when people are doing hurtful things to others or when they're doing hurtful things to us, or at least we believe they're hurtful in our minds, we tend to fall back on shame as a way of trying to get the pain to stop. So, you know, you really hurt my feelings. You, whatever it is that we do to make sure that the other person, or we, we give them that look that lets them know that they've done wrong or that lets them know that they've hurt us. Oh my God, I was raised with that. And by the way, lots of people know this, but I'm just going to repeat it for those who have not heard this distinction. Um, 
the distinction between guilt and shame is that, you know, we feel guilty for what we've done, but we feel ashamed of ourselves. Shame is about us. It's really devastating. I am no good. I am worthless. Now, in my book, Living with Reality, which you can get free uh, if you care to in a PDF file, just go to my website, bethgreen.org, and it's, it's a huge book. I mean, it really is huge. It's 688 pages. Shame on me. But uh, I, again, was just scratching the surface of so many topics. But it is really a guideline to how to develop higher consciousness and live in a better way that's more fulfilling to us and is more supportive to others. But in the book, I start with a chapter called Ego, Instinct, and Evolution. And it's really about whether or not we as humanity are ever going to change. I mean, I, early in the book I say if suffering were enough to change human behavior, we would have changed long ago. So evidently suffering isn't enough. But part of the problem that we have in changing is that we don't want to be self-aware and we don't want to be self-aware because of shame. And what is shame really about that makes it so Darn devastating. James, would you like to ask me that question? Oh, yeah. So what is it that's so so hard about shame that makes it so devastating? Well, here's the theory that I wrote down in Ego, Instinct, and Evolution. And here it is. The idea is that uh, I'm not going to go into the esoteric stuff about how we came from the oneness and differentiated and fragmented in different aspects of consciousness and all of that. That's good stuff and it's in the book. But what I want to get to is the part that relates to shame is that when we separate into individuals, like if you think about separating from your mother, for example, you know, that's kind of a trauma right there. When you become an individual and you become separate from others, it's very easy to lose that feeling of connection that we had when we're in the womb. And the same thing is true in the universal sense that we were all ultimately in the beginning uh, part of the oneness. And we still are part of the oneness, but we still experience ourselves as individuals. And that is the role of the ego. The ego says, I am me, you are you. And, you know, on some level we are one and on some level we're not. You know, if... Uh, if I am cold and I put on a sweater uh, or I come in from the outside, I'm going to warm up. And you, silly guy, you may be still standing outside there in a T-shirt. You're still going to be cold, right? So in that sense, we are not one. We are separate. Now, on a deeper level, on a spiritual level, on a cosmic level, on the level of energy fields, we are one. But as individ- we also have individual existence, and we feel pain individually. And as a result of that, we are so aware of our own needs. I mean, that's what the infant does when it's born. It cries, it wants to be fed, it wants to be diapered, you know, all that stuff. And so our very first thing is, wah. Wah, wah, I need, I need, I need. Well, there it is. There is the ego, but it's doing its job. It's saying to the world, I'm hungry, I'm wet, Take, I got to sleep, take care of me, right? So this crying thing that we do is really a part of survival. 
You know, and the ego is there to ensure the the survival of the individual. Of course, we forget that the individual can survive just individually, that we have to worry about it for the whole. Like I can go out and pollute as much as I want and think I can get away with it. But actually, when you look at the global pollution, we're all suffering the consequences of that now with climate change, right? So we've got to start thinking more outside the ego box. But the truth is we experience so much as individuals. And I'm not going to get into the issue of us feeling each other's pains, which we do too. So it's perfectly natural that we are going to automatically, from infantude, infantile, infanthood, there it is, infanthood. Infancy. <laughs> From infancy, we are going to be looking out for number one. But what happens when we do that and people get mad at us for that? Like, oh, God, do you need to be diapered again? Oh, God, you just woke me up for the hundredth time. Even the perfect mother has these feelings. And it's natural. And, of course, the mother needs to be taken care of. That's a whole other topic about how mothers don't take care of themselves. But immediately the child, the infant, is beginning to experience shame. You are a burden. You are a pain in the butt. Now, of course, we don't think that we've communicated to that, uh, that to the infant. We think that the infant is just too infantile or unconscious to pick up what we're feeling. But that's not true. Infants do pick up what we're feeling. And so from a very early period, we begin to identify our needs with selfishness, with our egos, and with shame. You are a pain in the butt. And how that, that impacts survival, our fear of survival is, we all know that we're helpless as infants and we've got to get people to take care of us. And how are we going to get them to take care of us? So this becomes, you know, the, the, the infant's job and the toddler's job and the child's job. I want, I want, I want. And how am I going to get you to give this to me? And it continues into adulthood. We're always trying to figure out some way that somebody is going to take care of our needs. I mean, whether it's because we're so gorgeous that some man is going to fall in love with us and support us while we have, you know, the children we want or, you know, we go to the beauty parlor or we work our asses off but don't make enough money. And similarly, the men are always looking for somebody who's going to cook them dinner and do their laundry. This is the old days, but it's still there. But these are survival <laughs> kinds of things. How am I going to function in the world if I'm all alone? Now, we try to use technology, but we also need each other. So that our relationship with people is the key to our survival from infancy because when we're infants, we're helpless, right? So just think about that. If somebody gives you the message that you are bad boy or bad girl, what do you think is going to happen to you? You're going to get scared about the withdrawal of their support and you worry about your survival. And so... Dig this. Shame is connected to our fear that we will not survive. Because if I am seen as worthless, then I will not grab all those resources that I need that I'm competing with everybody else for. And let's face it, in most of our lives, in most of our families, there is a competition for resources. Whether that competition is about we only have X amount of food, X amount of money, 
or our parents have only X amount of time or attention. We have siblings to compete with. We have parents, grandparents. Oh, to, in today's world, we have grandparents and children. And I mean, we're the sandwich generation. Everybody needs us, right? And we need too. So we're all, it seems like, we're all fighting for the same resources. And if we can't convince people that we're worth it, we could be dead, you know? And so in our civilized society, we don't like to talk about things like that because we're committed to keeping people alive way past the time that they should be. But that's the old fear. So when we feel ashamed, what we're really feeling is you, James Maynard, are worthless. Mm-hmm. And I can withdraw my love, my attention, the food. I'm not going to diaper you. <laughs> It'll be I twisting will. in the wind and wither away. You will. And that <laughs> is, hey, uh, we haven't con- talked about how to get over shame or what to do about it, but I wanted to really communicate in some somewhat deep way why shame is so devastating. And if you have experienced shame, which I know you have, I have, is, you know, I stand there and I feel like the bottom has fallen out of my life. And, uh, you know, my stomach falls through the ground. That's how I feel when I feel shame. And that's associated with the fear of death. That, oh my God, I'm going to be spinning out there and I'm going to be thrown out of the family. And you can just imagine how this plays out with people who are adopted, who've already had an experience of being kicked out of one tribe, and sometimes the parents, the adoptive parents, even threaten them and say, you know, if you don't behave, I'm sending you back to the orphanage. That really helps a lot. And um, there are many, many other ways, like religions shame us, so we have shame I call it the shame of existence, that as infants we know that we consume more than we produce. And so many of us spend the rest of our lives trying to prove, no, that we are valuable. We are really, really valuable, even if we're not. And just prove it and prove it and prove it to ourselves and others so we can justify our existence so we can get people to give us what we need. So with that, that is our introduction to the show. (laughs) And we are going to be going to commercial break now. But with that in mind, I'd like you to be thinking about the role that shame has played in your life. And we are going to come together guys we're going to talk about this and i bet a lot of you are not going to call because (laughs) it's hard to talk about shame and to feel shame but it doesn't make any difference we're going to do this together so don't go away the voice america seventh wave channel Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. 
Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back. Well, I spent the first part of our show today talking about shame and why it's so devastating. And many of us have very particular situations like we're the ninth child or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we really, really, really feel like a burden or we have teenage parents or alcoholic parents or whatever. And James would like to share some, a lot of feelings came up for him and thoughts came up for him while I was doing the intro. So take it away, James. Okay, uh, first of all, talking about being a burden as an infant, my father uh, told me uh, when I was around five or six years old that uh, it cost the family, uh, the amount of money that it cost me to be born, they could have bought a car. <laughs> and I felt mortified. I felt ashamed, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I cost them that much. You know, I'm such a burden, etc. Uh, and then, and then for a man, uh, there's a lot of prove it kind of energy around shame. We got to prove ourselves, you know, I'm a breadwinner or whatever, or I can perform in my field and excel. And of course, and in school, you got to make those grades in order to then go on and be successful. And every time you don't measure up to a certain standard, I feel shame when I don't measure up. And then it comes into, gee, I don't even measure up as a person. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, it's just amazing. Shame just pops up right and Everywhere. Left. You know, just what you're talking about is like you're afraid that you're not going to be valuable at work, so they will fire you, so they're survival. And yeah. You will not uh, make money, and some woman will not want to be with you, so there's another shame, and then yep. uh, I'm going to be alone in the world. I'm happy to say that we already have two callers who want to jump into the cesspool with us. So our first <laughs> caller, so I don't mean to cut you short, uh, James, but no, no we, all, problem. we have a caller, two of them. I'd like to start with Christine from San Diego. Hi there. Hi, Christine. Hi. I'm glad I'm first because I have a call in five minutes, so I'm glad oh, I joined. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, right before the break, um, you said what role has shame played in your life? Yes. And recently, um, my mom underwent back surgery and was in kind of a um, kind of a paranoid state, drug-induced following it. Mm-hmm. And she brought me over close to her, but what she said I know was part of the paranoia, but I feel like it's kind of also what she's communicated to me at some level throughout my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And she said, Christine, if you don't touch the stove, you can't get burned. Mm. And I think I've carried shame around wanting to do anything that others might think is um, 
I think the role that shame has played is to prevent me from venturing out. Yeah, doing something that might look stupid. Doing something that might look stupid. Exactly. Right, because in some families, like evidently you're feeling that in yours, um, being smart is what makes your parents love you and want to give you. Absolutely. That was true in my family too. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was going to get resources in that family and we were poor, I had to be smart and talented. Mm-hmm. So anything that, that made that look like I wasn't smart and talented was going to threaten my survival. I love that. Is there yeah, and anything then I have else? to calculate every opportunity to see if I have a good chance of looking smart or stupid. That's right. And if it's stupid, even though it's something I absolutely want to do, it's, it's a struggle to move forward. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling. Yep. And have a good whatever you're doing next. I assume it's work. <laughs> and now we have Erica on the phone. Yes. Hello. I, I can see why I'm following Christine. I, uh, I just want to take that shame on. I identified so much with that crushing feeling, you know, like the whole world is just going to fall apart when that feeling of shame comes on. Yes. I think, I think the mechanism I took on was that, well, I know it's about me and I'm going to have to fix it so I don't get kicked out of the tribe, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Boy, I, I guess that's the mechanism of the ego. It's just, well, yes, it's all about you, and this is what we're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good point that you're making, Erica, because what you're saying is that you are doing, you're um, focusing on evolving, not because you're seeing that, oh, there's a better way, but because you're afraid that if you don't fix yourself, you're going to be thrown out of the tribe. Mm -hmm. So not only does shame get associated with growth, but so does fear. Uh, That's really good. Yep. Great comment. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We've gotten an email from Helen in uh, Bonzel, and she says, Thank you for this show. Shame has ruined so many lives and relationships, and I so appreciate you taking on the healing process. It takes all of us supporting each other. Oh, my God, I'd really like to comment on that. Um, You know, shame has ruined relationships, and one of the major ways that shame ruins relationships is that it's so painful that we don't want to face it because what I've noticed about people is that either they go under because they feel shame and they just fall apart or they get defensive and they deny it. And so there is no support. There's no growth in the relationship because you don't want to admit that there's anything wrong with you. So you just keep doing the same thing over and over and being angry at the people (laughs) who are witnesses. So thank you for bringing that up. We have a couple more callers. Uh, Todd is on the phone to ask a question. Welcome, Todd, to Inside Out. Hi. 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 Um, wow, what you just said is, is so true. You know, I don't want to look at my own behavior. Uh, I don't I want to blame it on others. And yet, if I don't look at my own behavior, then I keep repeating the same old things over and over again. So uh, I'm Christine's husband, by the way, and I'm the <laughs> source of embarrassment for her a lot of the time. <laughs> so, well, that is a shame-based 
remark because if she's embarrassed, that's on her, isn't she? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. joking about it. That's why I know. But isn't it true that on some unconscious level you feel that way? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the things that come out of our mouth and jest, right? Yeah. Is that here? You are. You are shameful. You are a source of embarrassment. And um, you don't want anybody to see that. So there it goes. And that so quickly turns into anger, doesn't it? Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to just say is, um, you know, I really feel shame about how, I've, how I shame my kids. So it's like, it's such um, a toxic, um, it's so hard to get out of it. You know, like, I've heard you say that the purpose of shame is to just bring awareness to something, but it's, it seems that you just, you know, get caught up in it. That's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a very good point, Todd. Uh, when we repeat that behavior uh, that has happened to us, we are so shamed by that. You know, the alcoholic... Uh, whose father was an alcoholic or whose mother was an alcoholic and then he sees himself or she sees herself doing the same thing to the kids. It, it becomes so overwhelming because we know what the pain is that we're inflicting on others because it's been inflicted on us. Yeah. And that just is a devastating kind of experience. I totally uh, you know, have complete compassion for that. Um, and so uh, we feel, you know, often that we're going to do better than other people. See, if we didn't set ourselves up with that silly idea that we were going to do better to start with, yeah, we probably wouldn't have as much shame about our behavior. I mean, part of the healing of shame is to start out by acknowledging our humanness. It's like, oh, yeah, I am selfish. Because I am human, because I have an ego, because I'm cold when I don't have that sweater, or I'm hungry when I haven't had enough to eat, or I need love and affection. And when we can really take on and accept the fact that we are driven by these needs, and that these needs are human, and that we don't have to shame ourselves because we have them, then, you know, that's the beginning. And so, okay... So you're annoyed because your kids are annoying <laughs> or because the kids are making you feel impotent, right? Yeah. Well, you're a human being and you have a need to feel uh, valued and validated and respected and cared for. And, and the kids don't do that because they're too busy uh, uh, following their own agenda yeah. for whatever it is that they want. And so if you could you know, even just begin with a statement of saying, boy... I'm human. Boy, did I notice how human I was today. <laughs> you know, that's part of the, uh, the beginning of healing shame. Well, thank you. I'm going to be listening intently for the, the, uh, the answer. Yes, well, that's the first that's step the towards answer. it. It is. Thank you so much. And in fact, uh, we do have another caller, but before we go to our next caller, uh, I'd like to bring the guru on to the show if he's, still, if he's still willing to come on. Well, of course, I am always uh, willing um, to participate with uh, the humans who are uh, trying to um, 
uh, better themselves. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, all of these characters, the guru and Madame Azurka, who's another one of my alter egos, these characters come out of my mouth, but I don't know where they come from. So uh, the guru said he was going to be on today, and I'm so glad. So, guru, is there anything you'd like to share before we go on to the next caller? No, actually, uh, Beth, I uh, think that you're doing a very good job, and you know I never tell you that. Well, my goodness. I'm human, and I need validation, and I just got some, even if it did come out of my own mouth. So, uh, next we have, uh, our next caller is Irene. Irene, welcome to Inside Out. Thank you so much. Um, I have been struck listening to the program um, more about how shame has caused me to hide, and particularly when you talk about human beings need love and affection. I think the thing that uh, I have most hid is my need for love and affection and that that has kept me from engaging with other people because uh, I can't engage with my real self. I have to engage with, I have to have something for them rather than I really want their real self, and I really want to connect. So are you saying that you feel so much shame about your real self that you don't bring it into the relationship, and you hide your real self behind some facade? Yeah, because I I think I did have that uh, shame about needing to be wanted and loved and cared for. Yes, and you know, for some of us, um, it's just needing to exist. I mean, that we even came into existence could be shameful. As I said before, if we have parents who have had too many children, or many of us have had mothers who were sick, or there was a fear that she would be sick, or there was some history Uh there, you know, all of that makes it so that even when we're conceived and we're in the womb, we're already feeling like there's something wrong with us because we are a problem and a burden. Uh Is there anything you'd like to ask the guru now that he's on the show? Oh, um... I can't or think you, of anything off the top of my head. That's that's fine. James, do you have anything? Well, have Thank a, you for calling, Irene. Yeah, I have a You're question. Uh, how can we best uh, maintain a shame-free attitude in life? Well, the first thing is to not to feel ashamed of the fact that you feel shame. Mm-hmm. One of the good things that I think that is coming out from this program that I believe that Beth is communicating is that um, shame is part of the existence of every ex- child feels shame even if you do not have especially shaming parents there is always that awareness that uh, we are consuming and the fear of being seen as a consumer is very heavy 
on every soul. If you come from a society uh, like mine where uh, there were uh, very grave uh, differences between rich and poor, you can imagine um, how painful it is for that uh, poor, uh, for the poor child who feels worthless because it has nothing, but also the pain of the rich child who wonders why she gets uh, so much and others have so little. And um, the maids and the servants that are taking care of uh, you as a, you know, as a child uh, in these um, situations, uh, you love them and yet you are embarrassed and ashamed in front of them. And uh, I, I don't care how much you deny this. This is a part of your consciousness. And so we have the rich and the poor. And then we have the children who are late and with all of these uh, reasons. And so or just uh, the normal um, uh, tiredness of uh, any parent or the inexperienced parent who doesn't have the eight other children who has given them the experience. In fact, that parent is so anxiety-ridden and you know that you are the cause of that anxiety. And of course, the worst part of it all is that as we feel the shame and the fear that that uh, the resources will be withdrawn from us and that no one will take care of us, then we come pompous, entitled, and we do other even more foolish things in order to deal with that fear and that shame. Mm. Very good, thank you. So, uh, we are shortly going to be going to our last commercial break. And... We are going to, I believe, do some kind of a process. <laughs> the guru hasn't told me yet what it is that we're going to do um, to start to continue and to deepen this process of healing. Uh, and we're going to do it together. And be, but before that, I'd like each one of us to say out loud, of course I am shame-based. Of course I am shame-based. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? I don't have to feel ashamed of being ashamed. I don't have to feel ashamed of being ashamed. But I have to do something about it. But I do have to do something about it. And for those of us who have gone into full-blown denial because we can't handle the shame, especially those of us who get angry and blame, oh, and you see that so much, you know, the harried parent who, or the... Uh, the drug-addicted parent who is so annoyed by the uh, incessant demands of the incessant ego of the, ins- uh, the, <laughs> the child. The parent is ashamed because they're not giving what they think they should be giving to the child. And they know that they're impaired one way or a thousand. And the child who is pulling on the parent and isn't getting their needs met and is feeling that it must be because they're worthless and also realizing that they are a burden. Think about how fraught with shame so many early experiences are. And can you imagine how it is that all of us shame-based people come together and we try to relate in a loving way and yet that shame is always with us and our denial is so strong and as Todd was saying that makes it harder and harder to, for us to look at ourselves and change the behavior that's causing so much shame so we're coming back after the break and I 
look forward to some process to begin to heal this for ourselves and for the benefit of others. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at BethGreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. We probably won't be able to take any more phone calls for the rest of the show because we are going to be doing some healing processes, but please feel free to send me an email and uh, we can share later. So the guru has just told me that we are starting with me, which is not what I would like at all, but uh, there you go. So it's the guru and me. <laughs> and then it's going to expand to you. So that's very good, Beth. So I would like to ask you to be very inside out about this, of course, Guru, about what shame do you feel about your radio program? Well, I feel shame. I, 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 I'm horrified that you asked me that question on the air. <laughs> I feel shame because, or when we don't have more callers or any callers, even when I don't want them to call, even when we have plenty to do without callers, I feel shame because it makes me feel like, A, nobody's listening, which, of course, is always possible, and or they are not interested or they don't value me. And it reminds me of when I was a little girl and I sat and I ate lunch all by myself, which meant that nobody loved me, nobody wanted me. And so I have a, those feelings come up. Uh, so, Beth, um, what uh, happens uh, to you when you have this experience? Well, uh, I try to cover it up uh, by acting, uh, by being angry at people who don't call or acting like it really doesn't matter to me uh, whether or not they call. Uh, but there is something else, isn't there? Okay. Yes, there is something else, which is, uh, I think you're hinting at here, which is that if, if, if people don't call, to, that's telling me that people aren't listening. 
even though I know that that's not true. And uh, if people are not listening, then the show isn't growing, and that means that there aren't people, you know, are not going to support the show, and that eventually we will not get sponsors, and then the show will die, and I would feel very sad about that. So is that what you were referring to, Guru? That is exactly, this is exactly what we are talking about, isn't that, in a nutshell? Because you are worrying that you will not get the resources that you need in order to do this program. And so it is a fear of the ego of inside out is afraid that the show will die. And so the show itself, if you could understand this is a little esoteric for most people, but that the ego of the program of inside out is making you feel more shameful than you should in fact feel because it is saying if you do not do something to get those numbers up, you will not be supported anymore and you will be thrown out of the Voice America tribe. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a realization that is. I have to say I'd never thought of that before. Very, very interesting. So, um, Guru, what, would you, what should we do now? Well, what I would like for you to do is for everyone in the audience to identify something where they are feeling shame. That, that it is the example that uh, you already gave, to, such as Todd, his, his uh, example of the children, or is something completely different. So we will all get quiet, and I will help you on an energetic plane to identify some area of your life you, where you are feeling shame. I believe that enough of you have already identified. In fact, it is not so difficult, is it, to identify? And now I'm going to ask you, what is the judgment that you are having about yourself, that you are what? Uh, selfish, stupid. Uh, what is it um, that you are feeling about yourself? And now, because we are basing this on the exposition that you gave at the beginning of the program about the ego, the instinct, and the evolution, that we are going to ask you, do you, which caretaker in your life would have been displeased with you for having that characteristic? So, for example, uh, for you, Beth, you are always afraid to look selfish Well, you... Who would be the major caretaker in your life who would give out the resources? Who would be upset with you if uh, you were seen as selfish to her or him or to anyone else? So does everyone understand the question that I'm asking? James, do you understand me? Uh, Yes. Yeah, who's the caretaker that's most responsible for causing me to feel ashamed for being Uh, selfish? Who would have the judgment about that? Who would be displeased if you had Mm -hmm. that characteristic, like you lost the little league game or whatever you had Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. there? Okay, so everyone, this is the deep part. So we are going to have a little silence. But I will hum or chant from time to time so that people on the radio don't think we've gone off the air. (laughs) So let it come to you. Whose face is on that shame, on that judgment about who you are, about some characteristic that you have and that you really do have? 
like all other humans. And as you let that face come to you of who this caretaker is, and I know, Beth, you are very surprised by what you saw, weren't you? Yes, I was, Guru. (laughs) I don't even know what it means yet. Very good. So we want to break new ground. So then I want you should ask yourself, why don't you want this person to see this characteristic about you? Everyone. Everyone, keep going deeper, deeper, deeper. I will support you. No. Now, James and Beth, I would like to ask you to share with the audience very quickly what you're seeing because we are going to use you as an example for the next process. So, James, what did you see? Yeah, at first I thought it was going to be the face of my father, but it was the face of my mother Mm -hmm. because what I was working on was feeling defective Mm -hmm. and feeling ashamed of uh, not not being up to snuff and uh, feeling worthless. And uh, and then it, fear, fearing that my mother would uh, get extremely angry and upset that I was so defective and such a burden and creating such a hassle for her as a child, uh, all of that. That is not exactly right. That is mm-hmm. good, but not completely. Mm-hmm. Beth, would you share with us what you saw? Well, I, uh, for me, it was selfish, and I thought it was going to be my mother because, oh, my God, my mother was made such a big issue about people being selfish, but it turned out to be my father. And what I saw was that my father, who felt very defective because he had uh, deep emotional issues and had a nervous breakdown when I was little, that he felt very put upon because he had to share my mother with us children, and he wasn't getting all his needs met. And uh, the way he wanted, and in fact, he had to take care of us. And what I felt for the first time is that he didn't really want to, that it was hard for him. It's not, it was because he was a bad guy, but it was hard for a man in his position to be giving to his children when he was barely hanging in there himself. And so if I were selfish, that would mean that I wasn't worth taking care of. Whereas if I were perfect, how could he justify not taking care of me? So, so um, James, did that give you any thought? Hmm. 
Well, I did uh, think more about my father as she was sharing that he would have some very uh, sharp negative judgments when I didn't measure up. Um, uh, so I will help you here because yes. we must move along. This is very much better, James, that it yes. was that your father was very resentful of all the children because they kept him tied to the mother and he wasn't uh, happy in his marriage. And so if you, there was anything wrong with you, you felt that he would not stay. Aha. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a new one for me. Yeah. So what if I cannot personally work with every one of you, but uh, many of you have, I can tell you, many of you have, in fact, very clearly identified this pattern and maybe the work that uh, James and uh, Beth have done will help you too. And now we are going to very quickly, you're going to say to that parent, I am this. I am defective or I am selfish or whatever it is that you think you have to hide that you feel shameful in front of that person. You go straight to them, look them straight in the eye and say, I am exactly what it is that you don't want me to be. So let us do this internally. I am whatever. I am selfish. I am defective. I am a burden. And I know you don't like that. But so are you. (laughs) (laughs) And we are all of the human race. And I will accept myself even if you cannot. And say those words. And James, would you say those? And I will accept myself, even if you cannot. There is no shame of existence because we are all meant to be exactly as we are. Thank you, Guru, for helping us today. Let's all take that in. We are all meant to exist. And please follow up and read Ego, Instinct, and Evolution in the Living with Reality book if you feel so called. And you can get it free on my website, bethgreen.org. And now, James, please share with us what we are looking forward to next week. Okay. Our next edition of Inside Out will be With or Without a Mate, How to Increase the Love in Our Lives. And by the way, this is our Valentine's Day theme, the theme of love. We know we need love, but what is it? Is it admiration, affection, and or caring? Is it always the same emotion? How much love do we have in our lives, romantic or otherwise? How loving are we? Beth and I and the crew at Inside Out are going to honor Valentine's Day by delving into these age-old questions. And we're going to ask you to look into yourself. Who do you love? What does that mean? Is it feeling comfortable with someone? Is it a product of your getting your emotional or material needs met? Is it something you give to others regardless of the return? Or should it be? Love is a deep and vital aspect of our lives, and we hope you join us and share honestly about your relationships 
and the love you feel or don't feel in relation to others. We'll be benefiting from the wisdom of the Guru and Madam Mazurka, so tune in, call, email, and participate live or via the podcast and share the show with others. Whether or not we're in a romantic relationship, let's see if we can't increase the love we give and receive in our lives. And now a final word from Beth. Well, talking about shame, I think many, many of us feel ashamed about that we're not loving enough or that we suffocate people with love or that we're too needy of love. And I really look forward to this program. And I must tell you, in our last 15 seconds, we got an email from Mary Stein from Kansas City. and She said, finally got to listen live, but missed number to call in. Great show. Very needed. God bless you, Mary. God bless all of you. And thank you so much to the Guru for helping us today. Come back next week. Bye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.